plan it this way. Well, I planned it, but not necessarily this way. But I've got one more video I want you to watch today that's going to lead us into just a thought with regard to the people in Nehemiah's day. It's, a, it's actually a spoof off the, the movie Castaway. And so you remember Tom Hanks deserted multiple years, FedEx delivery driver with a package to deliver. Well, in the spoof, this character looks like the disheveled Hanks and is going to this house in the suburbs to deliver the package finally that they've waited to deliver. So take a look at this real quick. GPS locator, fishing rod, water purifier, and some seeds. Just silly stuff. Thank you again. You keep up the good work. So like the contents in the package, I want to remind you, like the, the Jewish people, they've lived in disobedience to God. And because of that, God um, dispersed them throughout all the other nations. Right, and now they've come back. And I want to remind you, like through that whole time and, and previous to that, they've had the package. Right? They've had the word of God. They've known what it is God wanted to them for them, all the things that they would need to thrive as his people. But they have squandered the resources. And for that matter, like we as God's people, as followers of Jesus, we have everything we need, the Bible tells us for life and godliness. Even the Spirit of God living inside of us. And we need to make sure that we take advantage of the resources we have to grow as believers, as followers of Jesus. What, what was missing for the Jewish people, and if we're not careful, what will be missing for you and I is engagement with these resources actually use the things that God has given us for life and godliness. Now back in Nehemiah, the walls of Jerusalem have been completed. Okay? People have begun to settle in their homes. In chapter, We left off in chapter 6. In chapter 7, predominantly what we have is a census okay, of all the families that came way back in the beginning with Zerubbabel to rebuild the temple. And now we're still here at the end of the rebuilding of the wall with Nehemiah. And if you want some exercise for your tongue, you can pronounce all those names out loud, and that'll be an interesting exercise for you, okay? But back in Nehemiah, turn to chapter 8 with me, because what's going to happen is we're going to have a change in the narrative. Now, Nehemiah is still the narrator. He, he's writing, but Nehemiah the governor, Nehemiah the, um, the wall builder is going to take a step to the side on the stage and front and center on the stage is going to re-enter Ezra, Ezra the priest, Ezra the teacher of the law and the focus of the book is going to shift from the practical and tactical wall building to protect the city and protect the people 
instead to the spiritual foundation of the Word of God, the, the, the plans that God actually has for his people, not for a wall. So Nehemiah, the governor, takes the back seat. Ezra, the priest and the teachers of the law, comes front and center. And this has been the pattern, right? Remember when we started our study of the book of Ezra, the people came back and they built, rebuilt the temple. Okay? And by the end of the book of Ezra, Ezra has reintroduced the law or the word of God to the people and, and the cycles continue when Nehemiah the book began Nehemiah was sent back to rebuild the wall of the city and now here in chapter 8 Ezra is going to be reintroduced because he's going to talk about ordering the lives of God's people under the direction of the law the word of God and so in each, in each book, Ezra and Nehemiah, the spiritual building, if you, or the, the physical building, if you would, lays the foundation for a spiritual life. Listen, buildings can be useful, right? We're thankful for the building we have. It can be used to further God's kingdom, but the spiritual always takes precedence because it is the essence of real life. And the spiritual is how God advances his kingdom and how he grows us as his people. So we're going to look in our text. And the first thing we're going to see is that the word of God, it is read and it's understood. And I think you'll, you'll sense the, the importance of this as we go through Nehemiah chapter 8. And one of the things you'll see is how they respond when it is read. It's something that maybe you've done in other churches or previously. It's not something we'll do or we do all the time, but today we're going to. So each time we read one of these three sections from Nehemiah chapter 8, I'm going to ask you all to read as we stand and read God's word as you hear it. So stand with me. Now, um, you'll note that we're going to start in chapter 7, verse 73. I've told you before that when these books were written, they didn't have chapters and verses. And sometimes it really makes sense. You change a thought, you change an idea, you go from chapter to chapter. In this particular chapter, it's more like someone was riding on the back of a horse and they hit a bump. So they decide, okay, that's where chapter 8 is going to start, right in the middle of a sentence. So back to 7, verse 73, and pick up the first part of the sentence. It says, When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right stood six men. And on his left were seven men. And Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Hence the tradition, standing up when the word of God is read. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And the thirteen Levites instructed the people in the law. 
while the book while the people were standing there they read from the book of the law of God making it clear meaning translating okay and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read okay you can have a seat okay so Ezra appears as the leader spiritually of the people and and he reads the law sometimes it's called the Torah um, the Pentateuch the five books of the Old Testament, first five books of the Old Testament that Moses wrote. That's what we're talking about here. And he reads it for six hours, from sunup till noon. And the group gathered, we read, includes men and women. And, and I would read that as children who were old enough to understand. Okay? And notice how the people, they were active and they were participatory. In, in verse 5, it says they all stood up. In verse 6, it says they said, Amen. And some of them lifted their hands, and they worshiped with their faces to the ground. And before you, like, write that part off as not my style, okay, don't miss that their worship was participatory, right? They were engaged. They weren't just passively sitting there. They were actually involved worshiping God, worshiping God with all of their heart and with all of their mind and with all of their strength, as God had said for them to do. Worship was something they engaged in. Okay? And listen, if we are going to get the most out of our worship experience, okay, we have to be active participants. Whether or not we mimic their actions is not the point. Whether or not we engage and listen and understand and ultimately obey God's word, that is the point. Okay? And can you imagine a church in our day and time where people would would stand up and listen to the scriptures being read for six hours straight. Okay. Well, we understand it was a different culture. Okay. Don't miss that here the people that were longing for the word of God that had grown this longing in them because it had been absent from their culture. And there was also this growing spiritual thirst that we're going to see start to unfold here in chapter 8. And many of them remember, and their family members, remember they came back to Jerusalem? They came back for spiritual reasons. Okay? They longed to reconnect with God, and in their mind, Jerusalem, that was where God resided. The Levites helped with the teaching, it said. So, I, I, Just again, important to understand, so the people didn't just hear the word of God, they also understood what it meant. And therefore understood what God wanted them to do because of it. And it led to obedience. It reminds me of what James writes in James chapter 1, verse 22, where he says, Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, meaning, okay, I heard it, I got it. Like you get it when you do what it says, James says. Don't merely listen. Do what it says. And that's what's happening here in chapter 8. A new minister was was at his church, and one of the Sunday school teachers happened to be gone, and so he had to fill in. and And the class he was filling in happened to be a group of young boys. So he thought he would start by trying to figure out how much these boys knew of their Bible, and so he asked them, "Who knocked down the walls of Jericho?" To which the boys responded, "Not me." 
we didn't do it honestly we didn't do it and and the the preacher was appalled at their lack of knowledge like a basic thing of that and so at the next deacons meeting he brought up the story he told them and this is what they said and and there was silence and eventually one of the more seasoned deacons said well preacher obviously this is bothering you a lot but i've known those boys every one of them since they were born if they said they didn't knock it down then they didn't knock it down so let's just take some money from the repair fund and fix the wall and go on. <laughs> it's important that we know God's word. And not just that we can hear it, but that also we understand it. Because when we understand it, we will know. Because we'll obey it. Well, reading and understanding God's word is very important. But there was more that day because we see in these people a joy that they were understanding what was actually being read or what was actually taking place there. And so the people listened to the word of God and they understood and we know they understood by how they responded. Okay, so we're going to read again. So stand up with me. We're going to pick up in verse nine. Okay, In verse nine, we read, then Nehemiah, the governor. Ezra the priest and teacher of the law and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all this day is holy to the Lord your God do not mourn or weep for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law Nehemiah said go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared this day is holy to our Lord do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food, and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. Okay? Have, a, have a seat again, if you'd like. You can stand up if you want. It's okay. So they heard, and they understood, and they wept. Now, perhaps they were weeping because of their sin. And it was unfolding before them how distant their life was from what God wanted it to be. Maybe they were weeping because they understood that had the generations before them heard and understood and obeyed, maybe they never would have been in this mess in the first place. I think both of those are really logical in that way. And, and actually, I suppose some wept because they had an understanding that they were entering again into God's favor, that God, God was once again with this nation. Either way, understanding, um, understanding God's word changes us when we're in the right place spiritually. Okay? Have you ever had that, that aha moment? This is what God wants for me, and I'm going to do it. And it just reads a connection of joy because you know you're right where God wants you to be at any given moment. Now, I think they probably wept most likely because they're looking backwards, right? Just conviction is upon them. But Nehemiah and Ezra and the Levites, they challenged them to, to rejoice, right? To be in the moment. That's a, not a great history but it's a pretty great now. 
because right now we're connecting with God and we're celebrating what God is doing. And so Nehemiah tells them to uh, enjoy choice food. Some of your translations or, or paraphrases, maybe in the message says, eat the fat, okay? have steak tonight. Choose the prime rib. Go for the filet mignon. And, and while you're at it, send some to those who don't have anything prepared. They're saying rejoice and celebrate because God is with us. And he's drawing us back to himself through his word. And everything was in sync and everything was right. D.L. Moody, the great preacher, in his own journey of faith, he said this. He said, I prayed for faith and thought, thought someday it would come down and strike me like lightning. He said, but faith didn't seem to come. And then one day I read in Romans that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He said, up to that time, I'd closed my Bible and prayed for faith. He says, now I opened my Bible and began to study and faith has been growing in me ever since. They heard the law, the word of God, and their faith was ignited and they're about to experience not just the joy of understanding, but the joy of obedience. Okay, the people wanted to hear and know more. We read earlier in the chapter, it was the first day of the seventh month. We're about to read that on the second day, they came back for more. So stand up one more time. Final time, we're going to read verses 13 through the end of the chapter. Nehemiah writes this, On the second day of the month, the heads of all the families, along with the priests and the Levites, gathered around Ezra the teacher to give attention to the words of the law. They found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded through Moses, that the Israelites were to live in temporary shelters during the festival of the seventh month. Now remember, we read at the beginning of the chapter, they're in the seventh month. And so there's this aha moment, and, and, and that they shouted, or that they should proclaim this word and spread it throughout their towns and in Jerusalem. Go into the hill country. Bring back branches from olive and wild olive trees, from myrtles, palms, and shade trees to make temporary shelters as it is written. So the people went out and brought back branches and built themselves temporary shelters on their own roofs, in their courtyards, in the courts of the house of God, and in the square by the water gate, and the one by the gate of Ephraim. The whole company that had returned from exile built temporary shelters and lived in them from the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day. Now, just think with me for a minute. Okay? The people wandered in the wilderness. You remember at the end of the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, Moses dies, Joshua takes over, and he takes them into the promised land. Joshua is leading them. But ultimately, Joshua is going to die. And Nehemiah tells us from when Joshua died, from the days of Joshua until that time, they'd not celebrated this festival. But if you go back to where God told them, he said the Jews are to celebrate this for all time. 800 years they had not celebrated this. And the people read this and they're like, what? Whoa. And so it says the Israelites had not celebrated like this. And because they celebrated there in verse, I think that's 17. My eyes tell me that anyway. It says their joy was very great. Day after day, from the first day to the last, Ezra read from the book of the law of God. They celebrated the festival for seven days. And on the eighth day, in accordance with the regulation, there was an assembly. 
have a seat if you want. Now, the eighth day is what comes up in chapter 9. We're going to look at that next week. All right. But as they were reading, they discovered they're supposed to be celebrating what's called the Feast of Booths, or sometimes the Feast of the Tabernacles, to commemorate that these Israelites living in the wilderness lived in temporary shelters for that whole time. And that that festival was to include rest and to include special offerings and feasting and living in these temporary shelters. And so the leaders came that day and they heard the message and they were convicted of what they should be doing since it was to be observed by the Jews for all times and realized it hadn't been done in generations. So they engaged. They actually did what God told them to do. And again, don't miss those words in verse 17 at the end there that said, and their joy was very great. Their joy was so great because they were sinking their lives with God and his word. And there's joy and obedience when we know we're honoring God. Have you ever been where there's chaos all around you? Like, have you lived in the last six months? <laughs> right? Have you been through crisis? Are you breathing still, right? There's, there's always stuff going on around us. But have you ever had that joy of knowing even though there's chaos going on around me, inside of me? Like God and I are good. And there's peace there. And there's joy there. And there's purpose there. Even though there may not be any of those things going on around you, that's what's going on here. And that's where we're going to leave them here in chapter 8. But before I do, I want to just make two application points that I think kind of cover the whole chapter more than they did any particular point. And so I think they're just worth noting for us in terms of what this looks like in our life. And the first is this. We have got to strive to dig deeper. To dig deeper. Let's not miss that the, the Levites were hammering out these things with the people who were searching. And the Levites were explaining to them more fully in smaller groups in ways they could understand maybe even for some of them literally translating into another language but they were breaking it down this is what it says this is what it means in our lives and listen for us Sunday morning worship cannot be a complete learning opportunity it can't be all you get of God's word we're going to keep preaching God's word in here and we sing God's word in here and we focus on God's word in here but if this is all you get every week you're never going to go really deep you're never going to dig down a whole lot deeper however like next week we're going to start up our adult christian education classes we start our children's we start our students next week we're going to start our adult classes okay and these classes provide us with an opportunity to understand the bible more completely and thus follow God's plan for our life more completely. Now, to be sure, I mean, we, we teach the scriptures in our children's ministry. Okay? You can hear you asking your younger boys, you know, on the way home, like, hey, who, who knocked down those walls in Jericho? <laughs> we teach that. We teach it in our student ministry. We open God's word in our small groups. We're going through God's word in our our discipling relationships and those type of things. But the best opportunity for us 
to dig deeper into the Bible on a regular basis, apart from what we do personally, on our own, in our quiet place, or in our noisy place, whatever it is, is these Christian education classes that help us dig deeper into God's Word. And I hope that you will choose to engage in those. So, so we've got to dig deeper. Number two, let's commit to engaging completely. Okay? Completely. Nehemiah illustrates for us how to engage in worship on Sunday mornings. Okay? They did three things. They worshiped God actively. Look at verses 5 and 6. Give you some examples. Okay? They worked to understand the Bible. Okay? And some of us go that far. But they also, like they, they followed God's word completely. They obeyed God and his word. The test of our understanding of the scripture okay, is not how well we do on a Bible quiz. Okay? I, God would much rather you live out the principles in his word than be able to say exactly who it was who knocked down the walls in Jericho. Right? Transformation is the goal and when, through obedience, our life reflects the heart and the character of God, then we will have engaged him completely. Not just with our mind, but with our heart, our mind, and our strength. Because we'll be living out what he has told us to do. A preacher stood on street corner fairly regularly. Uh, as was his pattern, and he would talk to whoever came and wanted to talk about Jesus, or he would pray for them. And so a man came up to him, and he said, um, can I help you? And the man said, yes. He said, well, can I tell you about Jesus? The man said, nope, I don't want you to tell me about Jesus. He said, well, can I pray for something going on in your life? He said, nope, I don't want you to pray for something going on in my life. He said, well, I can't tell you about Jesus, and I can't pray for something going on in your life. What can I do for you? He said, I want your Bible. He said, well, if you don't want to know about Jesus, then why would you want my Bible? He said, well, the pages are really thin, and I think they would be really good for rolling my cigarettes, okay? whatever goes in the middle of those cigarettes at any given time. Right? And so the preacher, instead of being you know, offended, just had this moment of inspiration. He said, Okay, well, I can get another Bible, but here's the deal. I'll give you my Bible if, if you'll make a deal with me, and that is, before you smoke a page, you have to read the page. Fair enough. So they, they went on their way, and, and as the story goes, four months later, this guy showed up, and he's clean-cut. Now, the person who he met first was a little akin to the video we saw earlier, like homeless, disheveled, obviously been living on the streets for a long time. Someone comes up clean cut in a suit and says, do you recognize me? I don't think I've ever seen you before in my life, the preacher said. Stand on the same corner. He said, oh, he said I'm, I'm the guy that you gave the Bible to four months ago. And the preacher is just astounded. He's like, what happened? You've got to tell me what happened. He said, well, he said, I smoked Matthew. <laughs> he said, then I smoked Mark. He said, then I smoked Luke. He said, and then John smoked me. The Bible tells us that the word of God is living. And it's active. And so as we sit here this morning, we've got to ask ourselves, how alive and active is the word of God 
in you. Remember the words from James, do not merely listen to the word. And so deceive yourself, deceive yourself. Yep, got that. No problem. I can, I can answer that on the Bible quiz. And so deceive yourselves. James says, do what it says. So we've been digging deep in Ezra and Nehemiah for a couple months here. And just a simple question for you, like what is it that God is calling you to do? Like what's the next step look like for you? What's a step of obedience? Is it dying to part of yourself? Is it loving someone different than you're loving them? Is it maybe just surrendering your heart finally to God? Saying, God, I can't do this on my own. I can't be who you've called me to be on my own, and yet I'm holding this package that has everything I need for life and godliness, and it tells me that I need to lay down myself, and I need to go a different direction with my life, and I need to call on you as my Lord and as my Savior, and I need to be washed in those waters of baptism where, where Romans tells us that the old person dies and the new person comes to life. What is your next step? And maybe more importantly to just wrestle with today, like why wouldn't you take that step today? I'm going to pray. And then we're going to sing. Be several of us outside that would be happy to talk to you about what that next step might be look like but we can't take that step for you i hope as you have read the word today you've understood and not just found the joy of understanding but you will also experience the joy of obedience let's pray together uh, father you are are good to equip us to resource us with these things your word and your spirit jesus's death on the cross all of these pieces lord that just Allow us to be the best version of ourselves, the one you created us to be, the one that you began knitting together in our mother's womb, who had plans for how you created us and why you created us for the life you have for us. Lord, may we embrace that life and find the joy that can be ours. In Jesus' name.